Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. I am your host, Daniel Gundlach, and I am thrilled to share with you the opera and classical singers about whom I am most passionate. I hope that when you hear these voices, you might echo me in saying, God, I love her, or God, I love him. Now, Without any further ado, I bring you this week's episode. Greetings and welcome to Counter Melody. I am so excited about today's episode because it features one of my very favorite singers whom I don't think I've played on the podcast yet. That is the Hungarian soprano Sylvia Shash. We're going to be seeing another side of her today. This is not a career overview. It's focusing in on something very special that she did. Let's start with one of her most famous roles. That is Judith in Bartok's Bluebeard's Castle. There are seven doors behind which are various secrets that Bluebeard keeps hidden. This is the scene in which Bluebeard opens the fifth door for Judith with great pride. He shows her his vast holdings and uh, land ownership. She lets off a high C and then he starts pontificating at her about his majesty and she has, well, an interesting response. Oh, she's so 
That was Flashdance. You are so right. And what, you might ask, is a great dramatic soprano like Sylvia Shash doing singing Flashdance? Well, that's just the tip of the iceberg, friends, because there's a lot more where that came from. We're going to focus primarily today on Sylvia Shash's pop recordings. We're going to take a little bit of a diversion to check out her work in opera and operetta, but primarily we're going to focus on a 1984 release called Nietz Korul, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, which means turn around. Hmm, what song could that be, you ask? Well, you just stay tuned and you're going to find out. Meanwhile... For this episode, I have enlisted the assistance of my friend, Daniel Molnar, who is a Hungarian speaker. Here's a little note that Daniel sent me about what kind of things he's up to in his life. He's a theater historian focused on theater entertainment in Central Europe. He began his career as a performance artist and then went on to obtain a degree in clowning in 2005 and a PhD in history in 2017. He's curated three exhibitions about the past nightlife in Budapest. In February 2019, his latest, called Red Stars, Show Business During Hungarian Stalinism and the Socialist Reviews, opened in the National Library in Budapest and was accompanied by a monograph of the same title. After working for the Budapest Operetta Theater in the 2016-2017 season, he moved to Berlin, where he did an internship in stage directing at the Komische Oper last year. If it hadn't been for the coronavirus, he would have been working on the new production of Ring des Nibelungen at the Deutsche Oper. His stated goal is to become established as a director of musical theater in all its various representations. I've said this before, it's a tough row to hoe trying to establish oneself at this point in human history, shall we say, because I think this corona time is going to go down in history as a very challenging time for all of us. And by the way, I'm thinking back to the first trip that David and I took to Budapest four summers ago. It was similarly sweltering weather, and we met with a colleague of his named Zoltan and his wife Sylvia. And when I met her, I said, oh, I'm not going to have any problem remembering your name because you share the first name with one of my favorite singers. They were delightful hosts. They took us to see a small town to the north of Budapest named Saint André, which is very much an artist's colony. And while we were driving with them, they were telling us about the challenges for academics and for intellectuals in Hungary at that time. And as we know, with Orban, it's only gotten worse. I often think of those lovely people that we spent that afternoon with, and I find myself wondering how they're managing. In a way, I want to dedicate this to all Hungarian people who are facing their very own unique challenges right now. But I've gotten a little far afield. Let's get back to our friend Daniel. I asked him to please give a listen to this record and tell me how the lyrics compared to the original songs. 
because these are all covers of songs that were big in the, I guess I would say, the 70s and early 80s. And he came back with some wonderful comments. Let me just share the first one. That refers to the number that we just heard, Es Amamor, which we know as flash dance. Okay, so here's what he says. Mamor is a tricky word. It means intoxication, delirium, but always in a positive sense. For example, a very frequent euphemism of journalists to say mamoros a la potpan, or in an intoxicated state instead of drunk. And he remarks that the lyricists also chose this word because of the prosody, feeling versus mamor. Is a mamor. Mamor means being overloaded with positive feelings. He also remarks that it's not one of the most commonly used words, but this is not a common recording. Believe me. What I love about Sylvia Shosh, so many things about her, but one of them is her, the way that she delivers the text of these pop songs. She's completely non-condescending and she's completely committed. There's not the slightest bit of hesitation or holding back. When she is asked to get down, she does it. And when she's asked to hold back and deliver the text with as much poignancy and intensity and clarity as possible, that's exactly what she does. And as I said, when I first bought this record, it was something to laugh about. The more that I listen to it, the more that I realize that, as with everything else in her career, Sylvia Shosh is deserving of the most enormous respect and adulation. And as she approaches her 70th birthday, I hope that you will join me in celebrating her both on this episode and in the future, because there are certain to be future episodes on this great singer. This next song that we're going to hear is the only one that Sylvia Shash does not sing in Hungarian. This is a song that won the San Remo Song Festival competition in 1983. It's called Sara Quel Que Sara. It was sung originally by a nominally talented singer named Tiziana Rivale. At least that's the name she went by. I've listened to her recording. It leaves something to be desired. Unlike Sylvia Shosh's, where she just dips into that low range with such delicious gusto.
lest we think that this is only a pop star that we're talking about, let's just turn our attention for a moment to some of the operetta selections that she recorded. She made a wonderful album of operetta recordings, also in her prime. The first one is a very peculiar piece. Here it's referred to as Diadalmas Asjoni. I think that's how it's pronounced. I had to do a good deal of research to find out anything about this. It is evidently a pastiche based on the music of Tchaikovsky and using as its subject Catherine, a.k.a. Catherine the Great. Given the Russian subject, it's appropriate that Tchaikovsky's music is used. The piece itself was produced by a team, Oskar Friedman, Fritz or Miroslav Lunzer, Bela Jenbach, and Josef Klein. This was an operetta that was produced in, I believe, 1922 in Vienna. You know what? I'm going to plead ignorance here. I know this is a very famous Tchaikovsky tune that is adapted for this, and I don't even know what the original Tchaikovsky is, so if anybody knows, please let me know. Meanwhile, let's enjoy this performance of the romance from Die Siegerin, sung, of course, in Hungarian. I have a thing about the Hungarian language. I've been to Budapest, I guess, twice. Both times I was so struck by the beauty of the language. Contrary to the way that it appears written out, it is a vowel-rich language. And in fact, it sounded, surprisingly to me, more like Italian than anything else. Now, people often complained about Sylvia Schach's diction, when she was singing opera, and it is sometimes a little bit cloudy, but not in any of the music that we're hearing today for the most part, certainly not the non-operatic selections. This next one that we're going to hear is the Dimois Venus, or the Invocation à Venus, from La Belle Hélène, or as it's known in Hungarian, Shep Helena. I think that's correct. This is Offenbach's 
masterpiece. And it's a very suggestive text, delightfully so, and it's delivered with a great deal of knowing insouciance by Madame Chache. couple more pop selections before we turn away to hear a few opera things. First is, this is a favorite song of mine. It really is. I'm embarrassed, perhaps, just a little bit. I'm going to reveal a certain number of things that I should be ashamed of in the course of this program. Perhaps my irrational love for this LP is one of them. Now, when I first bought this record in 1984 at Rose Records in the Chicago Loop, I got it for the amusement value. I got the biggest howling kick out of some of these numbers. But now I listen through and past some of the tacky arrangements. This is what they were doing in Hungary in 1984. You listen to pop music from any country around this time, and it sounds a little creaky sometimes. But listen beyond that is what I would say, and you will really enjoy this. That's my comment. But of course, this is coming from someone who used to listen to and collect the recordings of none other than Celine Dion. That's a little bit of self-public shaming for me. (laughs) I think that you'll enjoy this record much more than you would an album of Celine Dion favorites. Maybe not. Or maybe if you like Celine Dion, you're actually going to love this. It's quite possible. This song is something that has always touched me very deeply ever since I first heard it when I was just a little tyke. My brother checked this out from the library, Jesus Christ Superstar, and my father nearly had a cow that there would be something so sacrilegious in our house. So we listened to it only on the sly and at low volume, but I did love this song. I don't know how to love him. Daniel had a couple things to say about the text here. First of all, we should say 
say a word about one of the lyricists who contributes many of the Hungarian translations of these songs. The first person, and probably the most important, is Tibor Miklos, and this is what Daniel wrote to me. He's basically the father of Hungarian musicals. He fell in love with Jesus Christ Superstar and produced it in a small room in 1972. He produced Evita in 1980 on an open-air stage. His friend wrote down and rearranged the score of the concept album. In other words, probably without having the proper rights for it. He was also artistic director of Rock Theater between 1980 and 1996. He did an excellent translation of Les Miserables in 87, an okay one of Miss Saigon in 1994, and a quite yikes quality of Tanz der Vampire in 2007, and We Will Rock You in 2009. My opinion is that he usually compensated for his lack of professional knowledge with great enthusiasm. He was also a nice person, which is very rare in this business. True, as he says here, Tibor Miklos did not speak very good English at this time, and if we look at his first lyrics to Jesus Christ Superstar, yikes, it's full of misinterpretations, and sometimes long syllables fall on short notes, etc. This is early work, as far as his translation from English to Hungarian, but he faced these later and fixed them. This version of I Don't Know How to Love Him is the revision of the original text.
Now, this next one sets up an interesting parallel because it's Barry and Robin Gibbs' Woman in Love. Yes, that one. The one that was a huge hit for our Barbara. And I do think that Sylvia Shash resembles no one more so on this pop album than a Hungarian Barbara Streisand. She sings with such intensity and such connection to the words. She never condescends to the material, certainly not in this one. And there is the most delicious music video of her singing this song. Now, here's what Daniel tells me about this text. The Hungarian text describes a woman in love, but while the original talks about a present state trying to describe how it actually feels to be in love, the translation implies more of a longing for a lover already gone by. As the refrain states, think of me the same way once again as you used to. Talk to me the same way you did and kiss me again. A heart waits and calls for you over and over again until it once again becomes alive. controversy surrounding the operatic career of Sylvia Shosh. It did not last a terribly long time, and there may have been some technical reasons for that. They certainly don't reveal themselves on these pop selections from 1984, nor can you really hear it on this next recording that I'm going to offer you. This was a version of Don Giovanni in which she sings the role of Elvira. It was a studio recording made in the late 70s with Georg Scholte conducting, and I'm just offering a portion of the Mitradi, and I want you to hear two phrases in particular where she carries her breath on longer than I've heard anybody this side of Montserrat Caballé. If we're going to talk about a flawed technique, it's certainly not in relation to her breath control, clearly. Thank you. 
while so much of this episode concerns itself with mm, less than the most distinguished material, I feel like we have to take a little bit of just a sidebar to give you the chance to hear Sylvia Shash in what was for her very unusual repertoire. This is my favorite of the vier letzte Lieder. Yes, the four last songs of Richard Strauss. And this is beim Schlafengehen, the second portion of the song, beginning with the violin solo. Her vowels are not perfect here. They're a little peculiar. There's some strange vowel migration, but yet she sings with an incredible amount of line. And it's very much her own performance. It's sort of the polar opposite of what one would encounter from a singer like Gundula Janowitz, for instance, another one of my favorites. It's interesting. We think of her as being a wild singer. There are some notes that go a little wild, that flap a bit. But in general, there's a very contained and intimate quality to her singing, and you hear it as well in this selection.
This next is an example of Sylvia Schach singing a Hungarian operatic role. Those aren't so common. This is from the opera Hunyadi Lajlo by the very important Hungarian composer Ferenc Erkel. I hope I'm saying that correctly. This is considered one of the first and probably most important Hungarian operas. I believe it's from 1844. So around the time that Verdi was just writing his first masterpieces, and you hear that this is very much a bel canto role. This was an inserted aria for the character of Erzsébet, who is the wife of Hunyadi Lajlo, and it's still called the Lagrange aria, because it was written for a French singer named Lagrange, and it was inserted into the original score. As with everything else on today's episode, I've truncated it somewhat, so you're not hearing the entire seven and a half minute long aria, but you certainly get a sense of the different sections of what's going on. First, Ergebet is lamenting that her two children have been taken away from her and fearing for their future. Then in a portion that I omitted, the two children come running on and saying, oh, we've been released, we've been released, and she begins singing of her joy. This is certainly one of the most taxing bel canto arias I can imagine, and it leads me to hear in my mind's ear what Sylvia Schach would have been like, for instance, as Anna Bolena or Lucrezia Borgia. I don't think she ever took on either of those roles, and it's a pity.
I could do an entire episode on Sylvia Schasch's Verdi portrayals. She sang many roles, and she sang them always with great insight, enormous musicality, and a beautiful ability to float. This is a live recording from Hamburg in 1977 of just a very short portion of the D'Amor sull'Ali Rosé aria from Il Trovatore. Before we dip any further into the pop album territory, I think it's time for a little commercial break. KTEL presents The Elite. Barbara Streisand. Soft as an easy chair. Diana Ross. The Bee Gees. Billy Joel. Boss Gags. James Taylor. Kenny Rogers, Michael Jackson, and Elite, a perfect name for the perfect album from KTEL, in stores now. 
No, that is not the kind of commercial break that I meant, although yes, okay, David is of the opinion that the selections on this album are tantamount to that of something that would be offered on a similar KTEL collection. In Hungarian, of course. Honestly, the disrespect afforded to this artist. Not fair. Speaking of disrespect, <laughs> I experienced none this week when I was given a two-year extension on my German residency visa, so I'm very grateful for that. I am continuing to produce bonus material on my Patreon page. I posted an episode this past week on Renata Scotto. I'm coming up with another new one this coming week. So, for those who wish to partake in those bonus episodes, they are available to my beloved followers for as little as $2 a month. I decided that I was not going to offer tiered bonus access to people. If you can afford to support me at any level, I can afford to give you those bonus episodes for a minimal fee. But I would like to drum up as many supporters as I possibly could because it's a difficult time for all of us, which is why it's so awkward for me to even ask this. But if you're able, please do consider supporting the podcast. You can find me at patreon.com slash countermelody. And there you can pledge your support for as little as $2 a month. Don't feel restricted, if you're somehow in the money, unlike most of us, to make a larger contribution that, of course, is also very welcome. Meanwhile, I also want to direct you to my show notes page that is part of my dedicated website for the Counter Melody Podcast. That is accessible at countermelodypodcast.com. That's countermelodypodcast, one word, dot com. This week, in particular, I have wonderful photos of Sylvia Schausch. I have photos of the original artists who sang the singles that she covers in the Netzkurul album. I have information, thanks to Daniel Molnar, about the various composers, lyricists, translations of the songs, etc. So do check that out. I think you'll find it edifying and also a lot of fun. So once again, thank you for your support. And let's get back to this program, because I'm just itching to hear Sylvia dig into some of that crossover material. Yeah! And now we shall turn from the sublime to, well, a different kind of sublime, let's say. This is a song that was written for Sylvia Schasch for this album by the producer Peter Wolf. There are several people named Peter Wolf, and Daniel just gave me a little bit of information about this one. He says, Peter Wolf is also a jazz composer. His singer daughter also has achieved Hungarian fame. He's most famous for composing the title song of Vuk, a really cute 1981 animated movie that every Hungarian child knows. This song is called, well, I shan't even attempt to tell you what it's called in Hungarian, or shall I? 
Mints make all mine toll. Translation means save me from my dreams. Thanks to Daniel for translating it for me. Dreams are unfaithful to me, so save me from them. Lots of elevated poetry like, The song sounds clear, but there is no echo. The noise wakes me up, and then I see it was just silence. Wow. What I like about this song is that it exploits the higher part of her range as well. And one must also note, I don't know if she's singing back up with herself here, but somebody's wailing on some high notes on this. This next song was a hit called I Didn't Know. This is from the mid-1980s. I honestly didn't know this song before. It's a very nice song. The group was known as PhD. The composers are Anthony Hymas and James Diamond. The lyricist is someone named G. Danish Georgi. About him, I will just tell you what Daniel told me. He's also known as Zsuti, and he is a legendary Hungarian lyricist. He wrote many Hungarian hits during the 60s and 70s, which are still popular today. Lots of orders of merits, in other words, things to wear around his neck. He translated Fiddler on the Roof, West Side Story, Cabaret, Chicago, My Fair Lady, Hello Dolly. His lyrics are smooth, smart, and witty. And I don't know what this means. I'll just tell you what he says here. Fun fact, he wasn't a fan of showers. 
No comment. Regarding the song, instead of I didn't know, the title Mire Valo means what is it good for? And this is a bit of the translation. I didn't believe that my sin would be given back to me. Dancing and joy are disappearing magic. And he says it is a coherent song, but quite far from the original text. originally Real Men and written by Joe Jackson. The Hungarian text is once again by Tibor Miklos. It translates as to be a man. And Daniel notes here, while the original is about growing up, this is rather an elevated recommendation of discarding pretense and identifying with oneself. Hogy 
tudom, hogy fész, hogy vígaszra válsz, hisz napjaidnak ürjén, mint egy üvegpadon átlátsz. key ballad in the original. It's written by Stephen Bishop, and it was called Looking for the Right One. This version, with words by, yes, that G. Danish Gyurgi. I'm sorry, I'm just slaughtering these poor people's names. Instead of looking for the right one, it means, where did the dream go? And as he says, <laughs> walk on the ground, don't expect miracles, na na na. I think there is poetry here. All right. They choose to put this very peppy instrumental intro, and it changes the character of the song, I think. But as with so many of these songs, they don't hew all that closely to the original, and I think that's true of this one for sure. Oh, 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 
Okay, I'm not including the entire Nieskorul album on here, but this one I had to put on. This was originally a hit written by Quincy Jones for none other than Donna Summer called Love is in Control or Finger on the Trigger. According to Daniel, that's not at all what the text is revealing here. This says, tell me if I'm lost. It has nothing to do with love being in control. Tell me if I'm lost in the night. Blow a saxophone. Blow. Your voice calls me back to the light. Okay. Well, certainly the sound of a saxophone is gonna probably send me running for cover, but not in this song. next one for me is the crowning jewel of the record. It is indeed the title track, Nietz Korul, and it is, well, it means turn around. Does that mean anything to you people? Turn around. Yes, that's right. Totally Clips of the Heart. Yay, by Jim Steinman. Now this song, for those of you who don't know so much about German musicals, you may not know this, that this was the centerpiece and the recurring theme of the musical Tanz der Vampire, or Dance of the Vampires. The one that was produced on Broadway and was such a disaster and was an enormous success in Vienna and Germany, that's the one. And this song recurs over and over and over and over again. And Daniel, in fact, brought this to my attention when I already knew about it. Anyway, this is not that uh, version. This is very cute. He says, well, 
LSD hit this lyricist hard. And this is what the refrain means. A star waits for you and your life is a dance where miracles and dreams are waiting for you. And the bluebird as well. Where the sky is blue and sparkly. Where an intoxicating daze waits for you. Your heart is full of magic and everything is a fairy tale like dream. And you can find happiness on earth. Just protect your heart because it might get hurt sometimes. Live in peace with yourself while you're alive. Don't pretend you're someone else. You can't do that your whole life anyway. Life goes on. I think it doesn't make any sense, but the prosody is very good. <laughs> the moral of this song is to protect your heart because it will disappear like the moon on the sky. And that, I guess, is the eclipse. And here it is. Total eclipse of the heart.
David had some strong thoughts about this record. He's not a fan. He thinks it's very middle of the road. He thinks it's kitschy. But you know, this wasn't his era. For those of us who grew up in this time, it's a throwback, and that can be fun in and of itself. But I will say this for him. I should say, I will say this against him. He does not like the number that I'm going to use for our closing music. I'm so thrilled that you joined me for this episode today. It was such fun this week. I must thank again Daniel Molnar for his help in providing me with all these backstories and translations, information that otherwise I simply would not have been privy to. So thank you very much, Daniel. Please join me next week when we will continue the Crossover Classics series. I've got a very special person in mind for you next week. One of two. I don't know who it's going to be yet, so join me then. And until then, my dear friends, as always, keep the song in your hearts.
Daniel Gundlach.